citizens, welcome to Beer Me a Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is the show where we arbitrarily score a movie based on all these little categories that we've come up with throughout the years. And if it lines up with either the critical score on Rotten Tomatoes or the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, we got to finish our drinks. And so should you. Be a team player, goddammit. Yeah, and if you're listening to this in your car, no excuses. Play like a champ. Exactly. It's a wedding crashers rule. One of them. That Certainly one of Vince them. Vince Vaughn said before his career ended. <laughs> Remember when Vince Vaughn did serious movies? Like the remake of Psycho, where he played Norman Bates, and everyone's like, that's the guy from Swingers. This is not making any sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I understand this guy when he's not trying to sleep with somebody <laughs> in a hilarious fashion. He's not being very quippy or Chicago-esque in this movie. I always thought Psycho needed more Owen Wilson. That would have been really interesting, seeing that Owen Wilson shower scene. Yes, please. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. I love wow, that, yes. Wow, 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 wow. All right, I did it as I was doing a knife motion, and you did yeah. it as if you were uh, taking a, a gentleman's sausage to the chin. My face was facing a different direction. Was it though? Uh, camera tricks. We do this via Zoom. Uh, the camera very much said that Brian has a, a fairly good technique, actually. Well, actually, okay. So from your angle, I can understand, but it was it was more like I was next to my ear. It was behind me. <laughs> okay. From your angle, I understand though. Uh, next month on Patreon, Brian will jerk someone off because his technique is flawless. This week. It's the end of the month, so it's an audience pick. And this one comes to us courtesy of our listener, Dean. He threw out 1985's, do I say Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon or just The Last Dragon? I just say The Last Dragon because Barry Gordy, while he produced this, uh, his name's really not mentioned in a whole lot in tandem with the movie, despite his heavy influence on it. That's The Last Dragon from 1985, directed by Michael fucking Schultz. Yeah, give him that fucking... I had never heard of this movie before when we picked it. Neither had I. And that's sometimes a bit worrying whenever that happens, because you really don't know what you're getting yourself into. But this is just further proof that our listeners, you all, we talking to ear holes, <laughs> submit your picks, people, because this one nailed it. This one gets exactly what our show is about. Yeah, I always knew... That uh, Dean was something of an 80s aficionado, but this movie uh, just speaks directly to us. Yes, it does. This movie is a treat. And there are things in this movie that I've heard before, which was weird. Like what? Hey, Leroy! <laughs> All right. I... Show enough! Show enough! I guess that all tracks. It's a weird movie, man, in the best it's possible way. so weird in the best possible way. Can we please just get into it? I want everybody yeah. to, to stop what you're doing and go find this thing. Watch it before we talk about it, if you can. Or watch after. You, this movie deserves to be seen. It does. And if you're not familiar with the premise of the movie, I would like to read you something that was on the poster for some of the, some of the posters for the movie. Was this like the paragraph that was on the posters? Sure was. Oh my God, it's so long. <laughs> He's a martial arts master who refuses to fight. He's a Bruce Lee fan who's so sure he's Oriental that he eats popcorn with chopsticks. Can't say that anymore. Nope. It's kind of like a Dr. Seuss the thing that I saw on a Mulberry Street level of yeah. uh, racist. It's racist. Yikes. This movie knows it's racist, though. It does. It kind of leans into it in a weird way. It 
really does. Keep going. Sorry. His friends think he's too serious. His family thinks he's crazy. His enemies think he's no challenge. But he knows he's the last dragon. Whoa. Yeah. Get into it. I want to hear what Ryder McStrikely has to say about this bad boy. <laughs> With that, we just get right into what <laughs> Ryder McStrikely has prepared for us. I'm a little nervous about what he has to say about this thing, because uh, I don't know where he goes on things that are questionably racist. <laughs> We're about to learn something about our AI producer. We are. Um, he had a, a thing going for a few weeks there where he would say, picture this. He's just And then last week, up? he abandoned that. And instead gave us a meat blank. And this week he gave us another meat blank. I like how he's evolving. Which he's means he's shtick. going to take us over at some point. And that's fine, really. Uh, you know what? I welcome it. Meet Leroy Green, played by Ty Mac, a martial artist on a quest for the glow. <laughs> Already. You could stop right there. And it's such a ridiculous premise. Also, one word name actors. Oh, this movie's loaded with them. It's got at least two. Yes, it does. That's more than a lot of things should have, though. I agree. And Timac, this is like his first movie. He's a martial artist who'd never acted before. Now he's he's here. You don't say that he's never acted before. <laughs> Boy, I couldn't buy that for a second. The glow is a mystical power that makes your body light up like a disco ball. It sure does. But before we get to the glowing part, Leroy has to deal with a lot of craziness in New York City. Leroy's idol, Bruce Lee, the legendary martial artist. Leroy's mission, to become the ultimate martial arts master. But here's the catch. He needs to find Master Some Dumb Goy, who holds the secret <laughs> to the glow. I like how they doubled down on the, yeah, this movie's going to be offensive as fuck, people. Hold on tight. <laughs> oh, and he's been given a medallion that supposedly connects him to Bruce Lee. Sounds like Leroy's got a long road ahead. I love how they call him Bruce Leroy. It's pretty fantastic. I was still feeling out this movie, like, what is this thing? And then when they said Bruce Leroy, I went, all right, figured it out. <laughs> Nailed it. Got <laughs> I'm it. I'm going to because this is going to be a hell of a ride. And then it just gets better. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Enter Shonuff, the self-proclaimed Shogun of Harlem, Played by Julius fucking Carey. If you didn't give him the fucking, the show is over. <laughs> Nobody else has ever deserved it as much as Julius Carey. I'm just surprised that the sets in this movie lasted as long as they did because they sold the sets off when they were done with this thing. Yeah. And I mean, Julius Carey, I'm just shocked he didn't eat all of it. From it all seemed of like the chewing of the scenery he, that he, he had, had an done. appetite that could only be satisfied by scenery. He's like a walking, talking martial arts action figure with a serious attitude problem. Shonuff thinks Leroy's the only thing standing in the way of his martial arts domination. So naturally, he wants to throw down. I love how he goes into this weird backroom movie theater. <laughs> yeah. The movie pretty much stops when he walks in, which is also nuts. And they start chanting, show enough, show enough. And you see Tymac there, Bruce Leroy, Leroy Green, with his enormous... <laughs> his coolie hat. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to call it, but <laughs> that, sitting on his head as eating popcorn with his chopsticks. And he's not even blinking, man. He's not afraid of show enough. No, he, he is not afraid of show enough. He's getting... They're trying to flinch him out, you know, punching real close to his face, but not making contact. He is not moving. Not even a 
an inch. Not intimidated whatsoever. Things get wild when Shonuff crashes a Bruce Lee film screening demanding a one-on-one fight with Leroy. But Leroy isn't into unnecessary brawls. So he slips out the back door while the audience takes care of Shonuff. Smart move, Leroy. Is it? It's kind of like the coward's move, because Shonuff's like yelling at him as Leroy's going out the side door. And he's like, where, where the fuck are you going? You're supposed to fight me. Where are you going? And everyone's like, <laughs> we'll take care of this bad guy. And then they get their asses kicked. They sure all do. while Leroy is outside going about his life. Just sneaking out the bag, letting all these innocent civilians get their movie ruined and then get beat up for it. How heroic. Now let's shift gears. Eddie Arcadian is a video game big shot played by Christopher fucking Murney. Yeah, yes, absolutely gets the fucking, a million percent gets the fucking. (laughs) (laughs) And he really wants to break into the music biz. His plan? Manage a singer named Angela Varaco, played by Faith Prince. Faith fucking Prince? I'm sure. It felt a little dirty, but I don't hate it. And he wants to get her video on the Seventh Heaven show. I like how there's a plot here. There kind of is. I feel like we've been a little bit loose with plots lately. So uh, this is kind of nice that there's seemingly a story occurring. Seventh Heaven's host, Laura Charles, played by Vanity. That's the cockiest shit I've ever heard. Well, this is like Prince's protege. So if anybody's going to have that kind of cockiness, I guess it's going to be Vanity. Can I read to you one of my favorite IMDb trivia facts I've ever read in my life? (laughs) Yes, you may. Vanity was Prince's protege. Both are deceased now. (laughs) Amazing. That's it. It's just two quick sentences with the hardest of stuffs. (laughs) (laughs) They both dead. Vanity sang just like Elvis did. They're both ex-people now. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, briefly. Vanity walked the earth, kind of like George Washington back in the day. And now, they're both pining for the fjords. There was another fact about Vanity that was like, she has explicit lyrics, and also it does nude scenes. She doesn't in this movie, though. (laughs) And it was in the spoiler (laughs) section. I love that. It's like, sometimes Vanity gets naked, especially when she showers in the privacy of her own home. (laughs) Spoiler, Vanity doesn't get naked in this PG-13 movie. Is there an F in this movie? I don't remember. There's definitely a bullshit or two. There are. Uh, Vanity also has eyes, and I know that because she's doing some of the hardest eye acting I've ever seen in my (laughs) life. They open up just insanely wide to prove some sort of point. She's looking around like she's a the, the worst secret agent of all time, trying to find the bad guy at the party. It is distracting. She looks around a lot. She, she does. makes sure she knows you're doing it. She knows. You know that she knows. Everybody knows. <laughs> Everybody knows. Also, she's really good at lip syncing in this movie. I was actually really impressed. Well, that's not surprising either. She is a musician. And I love how she goes into the whole musical number because, yeah, there are multiple musical numbers in this movie, including, I couldn't believe it, Rhythm of the Fucking Night. Yes. Um, The full music video is in the movie. I blew my mind when that happened. I was like, I know this song. Is this what it's from? And it turns out, yeah. 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 (laughs) There are multiple entire music videos in this movie. And I think it's, it's worth noting that Barry Gordy, producer of this movie, also is uh, a big shot at Motown Records. So is Barry Gordy kind of 
putting the Eddie Arcadian character like in his own image in a way? <laughs> Did he make himself the bad guy? It seems that way. That's it's, fair. It's pretty on the nose, so I don't know how it's not. And I love how Vanity's doing all this lip syncing as she's dancing. and well, It's 80s dancing. I, it's borderline seizing. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of snapping involved. There's so much snapping involved. Like I have to imagine that their thumbs and middle fingers are just the most calloused things on earth. Calloused and somehow jacked? Somehow. But I like when she goes and talks to the audience. Then she grabs a microphone to start talking. It's like even Millie Vanilli wasn't that stupid. <laughs> wow. The details you picked out in this movie. I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. <laughs> I watched it. It was one of those times where I put the Marvel snap down and I went, yes, please. This is what I need in my life right now. <laughs> you get my undivided attention, movie. You sure do. <laughs> it turns out Laura isn't too keen on Arcadian's musical taste. So Arcadian decides to take matters into his own hands, or rather, his henchmen's hands. They kidnap Laura and plan to force her to watch Angela's video. That doesn't seem all that bad. Right? I mean, like, if you're going to kidnap, the stakes are like, oh, you have to watch this music video. They're not even doing this like a whole Clockwork Orange Ludovico treatment thing where they're prying her eyes open and dropping shit in there to, you know, moisten them. No. But they're, they're just having her sit there and, I mean, she can say whatever the hell she wants. She can mystery science theater this video if she really, really wants to. <laughs> she doesn't actually make any comments, though. She has, like, a, an internal pop-up video going on, though, that... <laughs> She is wearing with her eyes, because yeah. they're moving and acting. Well, this is actually the first attempt at kidnapping her, which gets thwarted, of course, by Leroy. Of course. On the street, just casually wandering, and then he beats the hell out of just random henchies. It's so weird, because like they get her into the limo, they go a couple blocks, they stop the limo so more henchmen can get into the Like, you already have her, why are you stopping? I like how the one henchman's like in the back seat, and he's like, hey, guys, hey, come on. And he's not contributing to the kidnapping at all. <laughs> at all. He's kind of no. just like the musher at the fucking Iditarod, just telling the dogs what to do. <laughs> so really, the dogs won the race. I was just there. Leroy swoops in like a ninja superhero and saves the day. But during the scuffle, he drops his medallion and Laura picks it up. Next, Leroy's teaching a martial arts class, preaching the way of peace and not fighting unless it's necessary. But guess who crashes the party? Yup, it's Shownuff, along with his gang. I like how he like, crashes his martial arts class, how he just kind of walks in. He's like, I heard I'd find you here. It's like, yes. <laughs> this is his dojo. This is where he teaches. This is where his uh, job and his place of employment is. That is probably very much on government records. <laughs> I looked up Bruce Leroy in the yellow pages. This is where Tymac is dressed as Bruce Lee. He's got the bulge and everything. Yeah, he's got the full yellow jumpsuit. And uh, he's, he's teach, teaching these kids. There's one kid in, in particular, though, Johnny Yu, who uh, he's got his own technique figured out. It's the Busey method. <laughs> Hold on. Pump those brakes. <laughs> what is the Busey method? The Busey method. You act crazy and then people leave you alone. Okay, that's fair. He got like a head injury, though. And also, it's Oscar nominated actor Gary Busey. Thank you very much. Gary fucking Busey. Never forget. <laughs> Oscar-nominated actor. Wait, did you say winning or nominated? He was nominated. I'm going off a quick Google. It's a lot of crazies in that group that year, 1979 <laughs> Oscars. Uh, the winner was John Voight for Coming Home. Oh, wow. There's nothing not crazy about that man now. That's true. 
And you have Warren Beatty for Heaven Can Wait, Robert De Niro oh, wow. for The Deer Hunter, Lawrence Olivier surrounded by all these schmucks from Boys from Brazil, <laughs> and <then laughs> Gary Busey for the Buddy Holly story. How great is that? Gary Busey can, with his giant teeth, just go, yeah, I was nominated with Olivier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all we talked about was buttered sausages. <laughs> oh, I just like knowing that Gary Busey went from being Oscar nominated with Lawrence Olivier to playing a deranged military man living in an Airstreamer in the woods in Black Sheep <laughs> with Chris Farley and David Spade. Oh, good old Gary fucking Busey. Oh, God, that guy is, uh, he's a piece of work. Uh, friend of the show, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Patron saint of the show. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that <laughs> for our own safety. Shonuff and his gang are not here for martial arts lessons. They want Leroy to bow down. But to kiss his converse. That's right. And, you know, they get Johnny into a, to a position that makes uh, Leroy have to do it. Not great. Johnny's a shit friend. Yeah, he goes out there and tries to act crazy, but these are actual bad people, and they don't care how crazy he is. They're going to fight back. They don't care at all. Things take a personal turn when Leroy's little brother, Richie, gets involved. Richie's got a major crush on Laura, and he's competing in a dance contest to win a date with her. Oh, the drama of teenage love. Leo O'Brien plays Richie, the younger brother, and he plays it to near perfection, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, this kid, <laughs> as far as little brothers who know that their older brothers are fucking weird go, yeah, he's nailing it. He leans in, he's at the breakfast table, and he's like, you, brother. You're a fucking weirdo. You're never going to go anywhere. You're a weird dad. Look at this weirdo that came out of your ball sack. Look at the weirdo, dad. He's lived here his entire life. Why is he acting like he doesn't know how to speak English? <laughs> He's wearing a kimono while praying over his scrambled eggs. I get it. You know, kind of trying to do an Asian accent of some sort, despite that being so problematic. It's extremely problematic. Also, he doesn't know the moves. No, he really doesn't. And <laughs> even if even if he had a chance to put it somewhere, he wouldn't know where to do it. That's a failure on the public education system more than well, anything. Leo else. knows. I mean, Richie knows. Richie is twelve, and I yet, mean, even if he he knew, nothing's getting worked yet. No, I mean he hasn't had to use the moves, but he knows them. That's important. That's fair. He found All some right. of those magazines in the woods. <laughs> they don't have woods in Harlem. That's fair. <laughs> oh, where did Harlem kids get their porn? It's behind Apollo porn. It, it was literally at the bodega. It was just right there. You just it was right it. around the corner. You have to. You pay money. They don't give a shit. In the midst of all this chaos, Leroy realizes that Laura might have his medallion, and he's on a mission to get it back. But he's also smitten with Laura, and there's some awkward flirting going on. There is. And I feel like Leroy does a disservice to all the other famous Leroy's in history, specifically Leroy Jenkins. Mostly because <laughs> Leroy Jenkins would run straight into anything imaginable. That's no right. planning involved. Act on instinct. Live your life. You only got one. Whereas this Leroy doesn't have the moves, man. He's getting out of there. He protects himself. He's living for the future a little too much. A little too much. Yeah, I agree. He uh, he asks about the moves for his friend, and 
Laura's like, I'll show you the moves. And he's like, me? No, my friend. Like, dude, you're already in. You're completely in at this point. Like, she's literally eye-fucking you. And I know that. Literally. Because I saw what her eyes were doing (laughs) in this movie. While Richie is trying to score a date with Laura, Eddie Arcadian's plotting revenge. He's got a plan to take down Leroy, and it involves show nuff. Oh, and he's taken over Laura's show, Seventh Heaven. Things are getting complicated. I guess they are. Also, Mike Starr is in this movie. Mike Starr is in this movie. Uh, He's Rock, the henchman of Eddie Arcadian. And he's weirdly not the biggest name in this movie. Because (laughs) William fucking H. fucking Macy is in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, he cameos. At this point, it's not really a cameo because nobody knows who the hell he is in 1985. But um, he has blonde hair and he's supposed to look young. And all it convinces me is that William H. Macy has always looked 60 years old. Always. Always, always, always. I like. I have to imagine that after this movie wrapped, he ended up getting those frown lines around his face that he's now just yeah. very known for. Like, if he did yeah. Planet of the Apes, you don't have to make up that boy up nearly as much as he had a Giamatti. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. William H. Macy. Just popping up out of nowhere. He's a treasure, man. So Leroy decides he's got to track down Master Some Dumb Goy, who's supposed to help him unlock the glow. But guess what? Some Dumb Goy isn't even real, and neither is the medallion. No, you don't say. Yeah, Leroy still has to seemingly find the power all on his own, because his master is going to Miami. They're treating this power of the glow like it's the stones in the fifth element that are hiding in the <laughs> stomach of Plava Laguna. There's the still a place you haven't looked, is Leroy. It me. But he doesn't realize it's in him. Well, then maybe someone needs to shoot a, a gun into his chest. That's and then the problem. Bruce Willis needs to reach into it and pull out the glow. <laughs> That's a movie that I adore. That's <laughs> so good. We talked about that on Patreon long, long ago. So a if you want to hear us talk about ago. Fifth Element, uh, subscribe to Patreon. If you're not there exactly. already. And if uh, you're not there already. Uh, I'm going to give you the glow. Wait, don't you want the glow? Not when it's crabs. Oh, yeah, that glow is forever. Yeah. yeah. Crabs is not forever. No, I mean, it's annoying. I'd imagine. <laughs> I've never gotten it. I'll get it in order to give it to somebody. Just That's to commitment. This wor- well, I care about our show, Brian. I'm a professional. Yeah. I do not question your commitment to Sparkle Vision. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile... Angela spills the beans to Johnny about Arcadian's evil plan. That's right. Two very tertiary characters are interacting in this scene for reasons. They sure are. Johnny rushes to warn Leroy, but Leroy's already gearing up for the final showdown, and he sticks him in a locker. There's a lot of people getting locked into cages and cabinets in this movie. It seems like it's an easy way to just remove somebody briefly. They are literally fridging their characters. (laughs) Yes, they are. Arcadian's got a small army of fighters ready to take down Leroy, just all sorts of henchmen that he hired at a henchman hiring convention of some sort. But Leroy's got his students, led by Johnny, backing him up, because Ernie Reyes Jr. broke Johnny out of the cabinet in his first ever role. Ernie Reyes Jr. could move at a young age. Like, when you watch what he does in this movie, you're going, He's you extremely are impressive. very advanced for your age. Well, surprisingly, he is 12 years old in this movie. He doesn't look it. He looks six. He looks six. He's 12. That is wild to me. 
he's always been a little boy. That's how he fits so well inside the turtle costumes. It checks out. It's an epic battle, and things are getting seriously intense. But wait, there's more. Don't say it like that. We go over this all the time. But wait, there's more. Gotta do it like you're getting a two for one of your weird tape that clogs up holes on boats for reasons. <laughs> Slap this bad boy on this giant tub of liquid we've got for some reason. Why would you, if you're about to go boating with a friends and you notice, oh God, there's just a giant fucking hole on my boat. Let me tape it before we go out and catch some sweet bass. <laughs> You're not going to do that. You're not going to trust your tape on a fiberglass hull. Unless it's flex seal. Well, in which case, you're absolutely going to do that. Yes. <laughs> right after I clean all my clothes with some OxyClean. Your clothes are going to be sparkling bright. Your hull's going to be completely sealed. You can enjoy a really nice day with the sweet cods and pikes out there doing whatever it is you do avoiding your family. Which yes, I'm convinced please. is the only reason to go fishing. Get my shirt sparkling clean and then seal up my hole. Let's go fishing. <laughs> that sounded hotter than it needed to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, boys, come on down to the lake. Let's seal up my hole. Arcadian lures Leroy into a face-off with Shonuff, and it's a battle of epic proportions. Shonuff reveals his own version of the glow, and it's a red-hot spectacle. He's got the glow in his hands. They, they turn red, and it creates little cartoon smack movements on the screen. <laughs> it's adorable. Just when things look bleak for Leroy, he has an epiphany. The master he's been searching for this whole time was actually himself. It's not so much the friends we made along the way. It, literally, he learned nothing in this entire movie, except no. that he just needed to believe in himself a little bit. He needed to literally. look inside and kind of treat himself like he's Steve Martin in The Jerk and realize he's got a special purpose. He just needs to accept this. Exactly. The opening scene of this movie, he's like karate chopping arrows in half. And his master is like, I've got nothing else to teach you. Rip this last dragon thing off of you. You're done. <laughs> Your last lesson, go to the fake place with the fake name to learn, I don't know, whatever about yourself. Will you get out of here Please, Leroy. I thought it'd be obvious I ran out of lessons when I shot arrows at you. <laughs> you could tell it had blue feathers without even looking at it? How? How'd you know? How could you possibly know? You could smell the dye? Okay. Also, Leroy, why is your accent thicker than mine? Something here is fishy. I don't like it. I want you out of my dojo. His dojo is on the water. He, like, lives well, <laughs> on one of those weird bobby rafts that His is like a fishing His dojo is hunt. a houseboat, <laughs> which I think also doubles as his home. Kept afloat with Flex Seal. It is his water-based dojo casa. <laughs> That's what they call it. <laughs> uh, how traditional of a name, Brian. Good job. Every, everybody loves <laughs> the oh casa dojo. I, I'm sorry, I got it backwards. The uh, Nomojo Dojo Casa House, but on the water. That sounds like a shitty wedding venue. It is a Barbie reference. I haven't seen Barbie yet. If you had seen it twice like me. I haven't had time. <laughs> I've been fully embracing my dad mode that I'm settling into. Like literally reading a biography on Ulysses S. Grant right now while watching Ken Burns the Civil War. Oh, wow. That's the daddiest thing I've ever heard. And not in a sexy way. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you don't want me to talk to you about General McClellan? I will. No. 
Maybe if you're gonna use that tone of voice, <laughs> that's my David McCullough historian voice. <laughs> Why don't you come sit on my lap and I'll tell you about General Buell? <laughs> I don't know what it was about that, but ooh, I felt something. <laughs> I'm sorry that I picked the horniest of of the Union generals to talk about. <laughs> hey, now. Even though we're talking about a movie that probably Nathan Bedford Forrest can get behind, you know, because of racism. Do you have a favorite general? Probably Sherman. Uh, it's because you probably are just like William Tecumseh Sherman. I just like the idea of burning bridges. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't need to go back to any of my past endeavors. Burn that bridge. Burn Move that on. bridge. Live life in the now. We're not all Bruce Leroy's, man. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't survival uh, later on. I need to survive now. Exactly. That's also the extent of my general's knowledge. So We'll do a side podcast where we talk about our favorite Civil War generals and who fucked, who totally didn't. <laughs> do we have to? Grant probably didn't. His wife's got a lazy eye, and it's like known that she's got a lazy eye. She got called ugly often, and he's just like, I still love you. It's like, that's beautiful, man. I mean, that tells me one thing she was putting out. Oh, 100%. He had kids at the wazoo. Whoa, no, not at the wazoo. That's not where they come from. I hope she's okay. Well, was. <laughs> yeah, she's dead now. Her wazoo's shut. Oh, we should add that to the prince and vanity <laughs> fact. Uh, her wazoo is just as sealed. With flex seal. <laughs> With flex seal. That's how they you did gotta, it back in the day. You got to shut up that hole if you're going to go fishing. <laughs> she showed what? up and she's like, I would like my tubes tied. And they're like, this is 1865. We don't know how to do that. Here's some flex seal. Oh, boy. So Leroy starts glowing. His entire body starts to glow, and it's showtime. Leroy defeats Shonuff, and Arcadian's plan crumbles. Leroy even catches a bullet with his teeth. Badass, right? Yeah, he catches it. He leans into the whole play dead thing, and I like how he gives the smile as he shows it like Ace Ventura style. Yeah, meanwhile, all of his friends are like, oh no, Leroy's dead. And he's like, no, nah, I'm just lying here for a minute getting my bearings first of all richie must have loved that brief moment where his brother was dead because he's up there consoling vanity right it's like oh i can finally move in so there you go leroy's a good brother he let richie get his briefly <laughs> for a second and then he comes back to life smiling with that bullet in his teeth which the mythbusters have proven is not a thing you can do and is also an imdb trivia fact of this movie for some reason for some reason <laughs> oh god their friendship was the myth the whole time. I will always say it. It hurts me every single time. In the end, Leroy and Laura are reunited, and Richie gets to announce that Leroy is not only a martial arts master, but also his big brother. The city is safe, and love is in the air. This movie's borderline flawless. I agree. Six. <laughs> I'm going to say seven. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right. I think the story is actually, it's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. It's, it's, yeah, it's clear. Does that make it good, though? <laughs> I think I mean, it's, it's a great. pretty big question. I feel like we've we've gone through a few weeks now where the story wasn't as clear and obvious, and maybe that's just boosting my opinion of this one. Seven. Fine. Sold. Seven. <laughs> Casting. A lot of one-namers in this thing between Tymac and Vanity. But everybody in this movie, I mean, other than Tymac, pretty good. Yeah, they had a career after this thing. And then you look at some of the names that they almost got for Leroy Green, and you're like, what happened here? 
everybody went out for this movie. Billy Blanks, Wesley Snipes, Mario Van Peebles, Lawrence Fishburne, Denzel Washington. This would have been a completely different movie. A hundred percent. Instead, they're just like, oh, all these future stars. No, thank you. Give me Timac or give me nothing. Give me Timac and William H. Macy. What a pairing. Denzel also went out for the role of Shonuff, along with Billy D. Williams and Carl Weathers. And it said they went with Julius Carey, who had never trained in his life before doing this movie. Masterful casting. It really is. Another seven, please. Another seven. <laughs> the protagonist. It's Leroy Green, Bruce Leroy. It sure is Bruce Leroy. He runs away a lot. He doesn't have any moves. We don't know if he ever learned the moves. I mean, he runs away in the premise of being non-confrontational. He's trained in a, in a martial art that one of the, the things he says is, God help me if I ever have to use my art. But I could also say that. I could claim that I'm the greatest martial artist that's ever lived and never fight, ever. <laughs> that's, you I could. could do that. I'd be like the Donald fucking Trump of martial <laughs> artists, of just blowing smoke. the greatest martial artist that's ever walked the earth. Um, unfortunately for everybody else, I'm very non-confrontational. It's part of my credo. Um, so I will not be fighting against anybody, but know that if I did, I would absolutely destroy you. And it would be everybody saying I could do it, too. Have you seen the videos of him golfing lately? It's uh, fantastic. No, I have not. <laughs> Pretty much, he gives himself a gimme whenever it's within 10 feet. And somebody caught him doing it. Love video. that. Yeah, it's pretty great, right? <laughs> Oops. Not a political podcast, but once again, fuck that guy. Not a political podcast. So Leroy. Solid six. I was going to go lower than that. Yeah, that's probably the right move. I thought we were riding that wave. Uh, apparently, we're not. <laughs> Leroy's probably the worst part of this movie. All right, so three. I was going to go four, but yeah. Jesus! Sure. I can't figure you out tonight. Three. Why not? Can I tell you something? Yeah. Uh, lean in really close so you can hear it uh, very well. Bold move. It is bold. I think we like this movie a hell of a lot more than the oh, critics or 100%. the audience do. <laughs> Let's talk about the antagonist. Shonuff or Eddie Arcadian or just mix them together and call it a six? I would just mix them together and call it a six. Done and done. They're both great in their They're own way. They're both great. Shonuff is kind of henchy when it comes down to it, and that's unfortunate because he's definitely the better of the villains. 100%. And Eddie Arcadian is just Barry Gordy. Also, we didn't even mention that there's some sort of cannibalistic fish in a tank for some reason. Apparently, what was in that tank was some sort of metal pipe. Oh, okay. And that when Leroy Green threw Eddie Arcadian into it, he actually hit his face on it. Oh. So it was uh, not acting. Ooh, dangerous. That's yeah, how he gets a little cut on his, on his head. Huh? Full of high stakes, my friend. Look out. You're going to go in the splashy water. Watch your head. <laughs> Six for antagonist. Let's talk about the screenplay. There's definitely one. Written by Louis Venasta who's not even a clickable name on Wikipedia. That's not a good sign. It's fine. There's a lot of memorable things in this movie. There are. To the point that Michael Carlstrom wrote in and he said, I don't know how many times my friends and I rented this movie back in the 80s, but it was a lot. Even today, if one of us quotes it, we all laugh and yell, show enough. Show enough. <laughs> what are you thinking for screenplay? Five. Michael Carlstrom nostalgia bump, six. Ooh. 
It's the most specific bump. That feels so high. (laughs) (laughs) It does. (laughs) It feels so high. (laughs) You spent enough money at the video store on this thing. Give it to him. All right. It's got the Carl Strum nostalgia bump. I don't know why I'm like going to bat for him on this movie. (laughs) He didn't even say like, I love this movie. It was just, just, I rented it a lot. We quote it. (laughs) Style and tone. Oh, there's a style and there's a tone. There sure are. It is 80s, New York, Harlem, and Asian inspired. Asian inspired. Yeah. In a way that, that it's, Certainly inspirational. It is the dirtiest five ever, and it's really <laughs> because I don't want to discuss any more on it because it I is think that's questionable at best. The safest move is to not discuss it and just move along. The people who work at the fortune cookie factory oh. is enough to make it full-blown racist. Full-blown. If you've never seen this movie before, watch <laughs> yeah. it and you'll understand exactly what we're talking about. It's three Asian guys who are doing their best Harlem impressions, and I get what they're going for. Yeah. But- And then dot, at dot, some dot. point, they take they take the coolie hat off of Leroy and put it on, and then do the most offensive Asian impersonation- yeah, absolutely do. I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, so four is probably four? the right way to go about it. Four for so style I can and feel morally okay tomorrow. All right. Let's talk about the director. Michael fucking Schultz crushed this thing. Michael fucking Schultz, who who hasn't done a lot that you've heard of, but has done a surprising amount. He was a Richard Pryor guy, wasn't he? He did a couple Richard Pryor movies. Um, he did stuff like Car Wash. He did the Sergeant Pepper, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band movie that had um, you know, the people in it that weren't the Beatles. I'm kind of thinking like a six. He somehow found gold in all of somehow, this. somehow. He discovered an Ernie Reyes Jr. Yeah, he like. did. That says something. Which, I mean, we will get to impact on the industry in a minute. We will. It won't be as high as <laughs> Ernie Reyes Jr. is going to be able to lift it, but still. But still. What number did you say? Six. Six. Most because I think I said six. I don't remember, but. Yeah, it feels like a six. <laughs> Even if you didn't say six, it feels like a six now. I'm having a ball, man. I'm not doing any short-term memory things Leonard Shelby style. Exactly. Music. It's really good. It's so good. And you can tell that Barry Gordy put his his finger on the pulse of Motown and was like, I'm just going to make the soundtrack to this movie just nonstop hits. It could have been two songs and it would get a 10. If they did Rhythm of the Night, which they did, the full music video of it. And one of Brian's favorite things in the world is a song that uses the name of the movie in the title. The Last Dragon. It's there. Yeah. They play it in its entirety. And then I yeah. like how at the end of this thing in the the credits. It does the most ridiculous thing ever. They're playing. I don't remember what song it was. And then it just like kind of cuts out really quickly to another song. And then it cuts out really quickly again to another song. They squeezed in every song from this movie at the end of this thing <laughs> again. And I also love how. When the credits start to roll, it's not a directed by Michael Schultz. It goes right to the executive producer, which really threw me off my game. Barry Gordy. Got to get his. He got in there. Uh, for music, eight. Eight. I think an eight. Oh, I kind of want to give it a nine. Yeah, not okay because with that too. It has the last dragon track, but it also has the second track, The Glow. It's so good. 
And the glow is so catchy. <laughs> it really is. I shazammed multiple times during this movie. Uh, the fact that this movie that I've never heard of has a separate Wikipedia page just for the soundtrack is all I need to know. I'm going to be trying to, to find this, this thing nine. on vinyl for sure. Oh, 100%. Nine for music. Fun fact, Barry Gordy is actually the founder of Motown Records. Holy shit. All right. That is a fun fact. I just found that out. Did not know that. That explains so much. Next category is box office, and we have no say in this one. It's just the numbers, baby. This movie cost $10 million to make. It ended up making $33 million. Holy shit. Which, yeah, despite being critically panned, it was a financial success. It was critically panned. Okay. <laughs> Still haven't looked up the Rotten Tomatoes. So I haven't either. I just read that it was critically panned. The opening weekend, it was competing against movies like Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, Porky's Revenge, and Baby, Secret of the Lost Legend. It ended up finishing the weekend fourth. Respectable. That sounds like a shitty weekend. Beating out movies that have been in the theaters for a while, like Beverly Hills Cop, Witness, The Breakfast Club. Beverly Hills Cop pretty much printed money, though. Beverly Hills Cop was in its 16th week, and the week before this, it was number one at the box yeah, office. That thing so it got was bumped a, down a few. massive hit. So yeah, that is going to give The Last Dragon a nine for Jesus box office. Jesus Christ, that's so gross to hear. With a 330% return on investment. This movie's going to score so high. <laughs> well, the final category is impact on the industry. It gave us an Ernie Reyes Jr. It let us know that both Prince and Vanity are dead. It did let us in know In recent that. IMDb trivia facts. It gave us Rhythm of the Night. Had a sweet William H. Macy cameo. Gave him those frown lines. Yeah, probably a two. Yeah, I think that's probably generous. <laughs> probably right. Two for impact on the industry. That is going to give The Last Dragon a total score of 59. Oh, fuck. The audience score on this thing. Stop it. Is 86%. Holy shit. Yeah, out of 10,000 plus ratings and out of 22 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, the critical score is 59%. (laughs) I don't know how we just did that. Hubris is once again going to be my downfall. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we did that. Dean, fantastic pick. Oh, excellent pick. We landed the plane directly on that Hudson, just like Sully Sullenberger did. (laughs) Cheers, buddy. Everybody, if you're drinking coffee on the road, you got to drink it. Pound it now. If you're drinking beer on the road, don't, but also pound it. As is tradition, wipe that pudding off your arm and slam it down. (laughs) The last dragon's making us drink. Ooh, that's bubbly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Dean, fantastic choice. The last dragon. Everybody keeps submitting your picks the last week of every single month. The picks come from you. We got nothing to do with it. We hit a random button and it picks. Exactly. But, Brian, it's time to enter spooky season, my friend. It sure is. It's spooky season. And we don't talk a lot about horror movies around here, but I think we're going to have a few coming up. Well, we have to. We made a promise to each other that we would only do horror movies in October. It's not our wheelhouse at all. And we're going to try to embrace this as best we can. We sure are. And Brian, the first week of October, that's going to go to you. So why don't you beer us a spooky movie? Oh, you got it. I'm going to beer you a spooky movie, all right. But I want to keep it kind of in the same place we've been, of the the more goofy nature. 
I don't even know what that entails because I already have my movies picked out and uh, one of them is Buck Wild and one of them is going to make the Buck Wild one look fucking tame. Oh, wow. So Buck Wild and Bucker Wilder. Exactly. That's the sequel, Ryan Reynolds, where he goes to college. <laughs> and yeah. has Tara reading it and she only looks a little bit on drugs. Just a, just a little bit. It's still early in her career. <laughs> it's very early in her career. She's skinny enough that you're like, oh, she's totally on drugs. But you look at her and she goes, hey, she's got those vanity eyes that she flashes when she's trying to get on that golf cart. <laughs> That's what they call them, vanity eyes. <laughs> now, next week, to kick off our spooky season, our month of horror, we're going to be talking about a movie that's kind of in line with your cocaine bears and your snakes on planes and even your last dragons but a little bit more absurd. How? We're going to be talking about the 2010 English-language-French independent horror comedy directed by Quentin Dupieux called Rubber. I have never seen this movie, and I've always wanted to see this movie. This is extremely fucking exciting. (laughs) I've been dying to see this movie for so long. Wow! I was not ready for that. Because the premise is so insane, a rubber goes around... A rubber. A tire goes around killing people. (laughs) totally different if like a rubber goes around killing people right? it's like it rips out of its <laughs> trojan pack and starts diving on folks suffocating them <laughs> ribbed for your death ouch that is a fantastic pick next week 2010's rubber until then thank you guys for listening be sure to rate review subscribe and send us your horror movie suggestions for our spooky season listener pick at the end of october And if you want, we'll keep your your pick that's already in there on hold, and we'll revert back to it at the end of the month. Yeah, we'll pretty much just do a side list for this month. So submit a pick. you got a really good chance, because we know the people who listen to this thing. There's like 53 movies on the list right now. I guarantee there's going to be like 15 when it's all said and done for the end of October. So you got a really good shot here. you got a really good chance if you want us to talk about a horror movie. Join us on Patreon this month. Got something cooking that's going to be a lot of fun. God, I hope so. This is going to be a very big swing for the fence. I can't wait for people to hear it. Yeah, we've gone and tested some things with a certain AI producer. We're going to see just how far we can push him. Yeah, it's a risk, but oh boy, is there a reward. And we like living (laughs) on that sweet pod edge. Absolutely. Also, if you're on Patreon, you get double the picks. You sure do. If you send us your horror movies, it gets counted twice. Goddamn right. You can email those picks to us at beermeamoviepod at gmail.com. Or if you have any questions or comments, you can also follow us on social media at beermeamoviepod on X. So gross. Formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> will always be known as Twitter. And at beermeamovie everywhere else like Instagram, Facebook, etc. Facebook, we always put up a post on our recording day asking for your questions and comments. We got a couple. We're in Michael Carlstrom's. He got a whole bump based out of it. It's true. The other question we got is from Jeff Miner. She said, who's your favorite dragon? His is Toothless. Oh, Toothless is a good one. That's Toothless a good is a very good pick. My favorite dragon is of the metallic variety. That would be the Green Rangers Dragonzord. See that, Jeff? See what you did? You let him talk about Power Rangers. Anything. You let him ruin a good thing. Or it's that one that grants wishes from Dragon Ball Z. All right. Well, didn't redeem himself there at all. My favorite dragon? Thanks for asking, Brian. Well, you're talking about your Power oh, yeah. Rangers. Who's your favorite <laughs> dragon, Dave? Norbert, Harry Potter. I'm a fucking nerd, man. I'll lean in. I don't give a damn. <laughs> nerd. What, no love for Norbert? 
I don't really Power Rangers. You don't fuck with Harry Potter. I, <laughs> I don't really fuck with Harry Potter. No, exactly. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> ominous. I needed to ruin your night somehow. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for your questions, your comments, your concerns. You should have more concerns, Brian. You should have a lot after this episode. (laughs) Brian, you got anything else? No, that's it. Fantastic. Next week, we're talking 2010's Rubber. We'll see you then. Rubber.